All right, well, hey, you have perfect attendance for church this entire year. I tell that joke once a year, so I will thank you to laugh at it every single time. So you guys good? Buckeyes won last night, so it's got to be a good morning, right? The Browns have not yet lost this week, so everything is good right now. Uh, All right, so we're starting a series called Pivot today. Uh, Pivot, so I love basketball. Where's my basketball at? There she is. Look at that. Thank you, Dre. Uh, I love basketball. And uh, I I was going to not bring this up, but my wife bought me the coolest Christmas present ever. Check these out. These are like mosaic Nikes. You get that? Blair, you got this? Check that out. And and my kids haven't stepped on them yet, so they're still nice and fresh. I don't have the crease yet or anything like that. Uh, But I I love basketball, so um, I just want to keep people awake this morning. Thank you. See, if I do, I'm always, I'm I'm looking for the athletic people. My wife's nodding her head like, no, don't don't do that. Don't do that. No, nobody else. Nobody's looking like, like, yeah, Joey, no, no, I'm not going to hit you. What? Nobody wants this? Kip, Kip wants it. Yes. He's got one hand. I didn't even know it. And I'm sorry, I don't know your name. I almost hit you in the head. That would be my, my bad. So my, my son's playing youth basketball right now. Uh, he's 10. And if you're a parent, you know um, that youth sports can be frustrating because the kids, like, they know some rules, but they don't know the rules. And then you kind of, you kind of get, I don't know, as a parent, it's, it's easy to forget that they're kids and you just get frustrated with all the things that they do. Um, and they're more athletic than they are skilled. So they're Defense is always better than the offense when that's the case, right? Because they're, they're pretty fast. They got some hand-eye coordination, but they just don't practice enough. They don't understand enough. So uh, all the games end up being like eight to seven. It seems like we're playing baseball instead of basketball. It's really weird. Um, but one of the things uh, for me, detail-wise, that's really frustrating is uh, when the kids will dribble and then they pick up their dribble. Um, you're only supposed to do that if you're not familiar with basketball. If... Uh, you're going to pass or shoot. Otherwise, you've got to keep dribbling because dribbling is the only way you move. So if you, if you don't know basketball, you, once you pick up your dribble, you can't dribble again. Uh, it's against the rules. So they pick up their dribble, and then they're, they're stuck. Uh, and what happens is the defender knows this. The defender swarms them in. It's this classic youth basketball uh, position that they get in. If you've watched youth basketball, you've seen this a million times, where the, the offense goes like this, and they kind of start hugging the ball with a panic look on their face, and then the defender kind of hugs them. There's a lot of hugging going on. It's weird. And we just, and if you're, the, if you're the kid's parent who's doing this, it feels like an eternity where they're just standing there uh, and they don't know what to do. Um, but either because they have forgotten or because they have a terrible coach and they have not been taught, uh, they forget that they have what's called a pivot foot. Um, in basketball, when you stop dribbling, you, you can still move one of your feet, which, believe it or not, gives you quite a bit of movement uh, as you're just stuck in this one position. It can give you a different angle. It can give you a different perspective on the court. You can find a pass. You can find a shot that you otherwise would not be able to. If you've ever watched Kobe Bryant play, he was the master of the pivot foot. He could do a ton of things, even though he had one foot planted on the ground. So even though... Uh, they feel stuck. They're not as stuck as, as they think they are, uh, if they would just pivot. And as a parent, I do that thing, man, I don't know about you guys. I, I struggle with youth sports. I stay quiet. I'm self-aware enough to know 
that if I start opening my mouth, what would come out would not be good. I try not to wear mosaic shirts and stuff like that when I'm there. Um, but I, you know, when, I, when the kid gets down like this, I want to scream like Ross from that one Friends episode. I want to scream, pivot, pivot, will you just move? But they don't do it. So again, it didn't work, Joey. Nobody cares about Friends. That's the proof. Trey's not here. You were supposed to laugh more at the, at the Friends joke, guys. That was a part of Joey's idea. Jared, you got that? Okay. Um, but I can't help but wonder if like this idea of a pivot foot isn't, isn't a good illustration for life sometimes where um, you kind of maybe right now as you sit in the beginning of this year, you kind of feel like that kid with the ball and you feel stuck and a little bit <laughs> nervous. Everybody's watching you, the clock's ticking and your, your life seems to be, to be moving along. Here's another year that just passed and you feel like you're not moving. Um, but what if, what if you just need to pivot? What if... Um, you just need to shift a little bit, a little change in perspective, a little change in an angle could make a big difference. So here's how we're defining pivot for this series. A change in strategy without a change in vision. A change in strategy without a change in vision. So uh, one of two things happened in the beginning of, of years like this. And I like this. I get excited about New Year's. I know some people, I'm on Christian Twitter. So Christian Twitter's like, who cares? It's just another day. I know it's just another day. But for me, it means something. We just change. Anything can, can be a flag in the ground moment. So I like beginnings of the years. I like, I like New Year's. And I get excited because I feel like most of the time, we're all at least a little bit self-reflective. We're all at least a little bit on that, hey, how could we make a change this year? Um, so I wonder um, about people one of two things, they're either in this position where they're hunched over the ball and they're getting ready to just drop the ball and walk off the court because they're like, I can't, I can't make this change. I can't do it. Or um, <laughs> they just want to run with the ball and they want to travel. So here's how I would view that. Uh, one of your feet is the vision foot and the vision foot needs to stay planted. And the other one is the strategy foot that you need to be able to be flexible on and move on. So for example, like you want a happy marriage, that's your vision foot, right? You're gonna keep that planted. How you're doing that, how you're treating your spouse, the habits, the patterns you have in that, that's your, that's your pivot foot. Um, we change strategies, we don't change spouses, okay? Like that's, that's a big, that's, that's traveling. You guys wouldn't be not allowed to do that. Um, so don't, don't give up on the vision. You got to switch the strategy or, you know, when it comes to like fitness is the time of year where we're all like, Hey, I got a number on a scale. They're one hit or a, or a pants size, or I just want to not look this certain way in the mirror. Like you have that idea in your head of what you want that to be like. That's the vision. And then the strategy is all the Christmas cookies that you ate in the past month. And you're, you need to, you need to pivot on that and, and get a little different strategy. Don't give up though on the vision. Or, or maybe even, even more important than that, the vision of having a life where you feel like you're living out like purpose, mission, like you feel like your life matters. Uh, that, that's the foot you keep planted. And then how you've been going about that, that's the one you want to pivot on. Don't give up on that vision. Don't give up on that idea that your life should matter, that your life should ripple past you, that your life should, should be bigger than you. So... I'm guessing you have, uh, as you're sitting here, whether or not you're a New Year's resolution person, you have some things that you'd like to change in your life. You have some things where maybe you feel stuck. 
but you do have some kind of a vision. Uh, hopefully a God-given, God-saturated vision for what your life could look like. Uh, and then you have some kind of idea of how you want to get there. Um, but I want to I wanna talk in this series about how we can pivot. Not, not make a huge change. Not, not do that thing where I want to have my life look completely different in just one year. Just, let's just talk about a pivot. Let's not, let's not try to get all the way across the court. Let's just get a little bit different of a perspective so we can find a strategic way to actually make that change. So that's the idea of this series, Pivot. Um, all right, so today we're going to look at a concept that I believe uh, is really important. As a matter of fact, if you don't get this, you probably won't get the rest of the series. Uh, so everybody who missed today is completely screwed and their life will never change and they will be stuck forever. By the way, thanks for watching online, all you people who aren't here. Hopefully, uh, we're happy you're here and hopefully you're getting a lot out of this already. All right, I want to take a poll. Uh, are you a big picture person or are you a detail-oriented person? Which one are you? Raise your hand if you're a big picture person. Big picture people. Okay. Raise your hand if you're detail-oriented. What is going on? Okay. Just so you know, first service was also pretty heavy on the detail-oriented side. That's weird. Because um, I'm not that. Uh, so now listen, I'm not, I'm not like down on either one. I actually really appreciate uh, both. I love the big picture person. That's my bent. Um, and man, I can't, have you ever been around somebody who's like really, like really big picture person? Like they're just, they're just good at it, man. I feel like I like climb a tree and I can see like I got the big picture, but man, some people feel like they're up on a mountain somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like those people who can just, they don't see one forest. They see like a forest of forests. They just have vision for the big picture. I love being around those people. Those people, um, the dreamers, the ones who can see something that's really big. I, I, I love that. I drink that up being around people like that. But also, I will say, listen, detail people, I'm, I'm impressed with you too. Like the ability to, to dig down into one thing and mine that thing for all it's worth. The ability to see all those little things. The ability to, to answer all your emails somehow. Like that kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm genuinely amazed with that. Now, and so they say a big picture person would be like the person who can see the forest and then the detailed person, you know, you'd be able to see the tree. Now, some of you can see the tree. Some of you are so detail-oriented, you can see the bark on the tree in the forest. And some of you, like my wife, are so detail-oriented, you can see the hair on the ant's leg in, on the bark on the tree in the forest. She's really good at zooming in on those details. Really good. Annoyingly good at those details. So let me ask a question. What kind of person is more successful? Big picture, detail-oriented. Now, of course, that's not a fair question, right? Um, on one hand, I think your, my guess is your instinct would be, well, that's it, neither. It depends, right? It depends. Because I think we can probably all think of uh, a big picture person who's not successful, right? We, can, we all have that person in our mind who's like the dreamer, who has like a million different ideas, but it's like still lives in their parents' basement. You know, like that kind of person. Um, lots of cool ideas, but you just never like get there. And then I think we all probably, forgive me, but all of us know some detail-oriented people who, who have no motive. They don't go anywhere. They're just always stuck down with their head down in the details and they're stuck in like a web of their own details. They can't detail their way out of their details. There's so many that they're so focused on. So, 
both, but I actually think there's a third kind of person. Uh, it doesn't really matter what your bent is, but this kind of person is consistently successful. Uh, rarely will you see this kind of person floundering in life. Uh, they are what I would call a connector, somebody who connects the two, someone who can make the connection between the big picture of their life and the details of the life. The, the connection between those moment-to-moment little things and the big-picture direction of their life. Someone who can make that connection between those little things that you do day in, day out, hour in, hour out, minute in, minute out, and what those things actually do to the big-picture, the direction in your life. If you can make the connection. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So I love when Paul starts this way. In the, he says, don't be misled. Um, because that gives you a little, uh, your, your ears should perk up when you read that because what it means is it's easy to be misled. He's not going to say don't be misled if it's not something that might be misleading. He's telling you this because it's easy uh, to, to struggle with making the connection between what you plant and what you harvest. He's saying a lot of people don't do this very well, and, and it's going to happen. Uh, you will always harvest what you plant. It's kind of built into the DNA of the universe. Harvest, I would say, is the big picture. Big field, lots of plants. And then planting is in the details, each individual seed. The whole field you harvest is made up of individual seeds that you planted. And the writer here, Paul, wants us to recognize the connection between the seeds we plant in our life, in our everyday life, and then the harvest we're getting in the big picture. So here's, here's my thing. The reason I wanted to start here um, the thing I'm after today, I guess you could say, I, I talk to a lot of people who are harvesting a field in their life that they act like they didn't plant. Um, they act like the harvest they're, they're getting has nothing to do with the seeds that they're planted. Um, and I, I suppose I should own this first. I struggle with this sometimes too, where uh, I'll have a thing, a, maybe a big picture problem in my life, and I will fail to see the little things that I did that led to this. I'll act like this thing happened to me, right? Like, like it was like God dropped me in this field. What happened? Why, where did this field come? Where did all these plants come from, God? And God's like, dude, you, you did that, right? Um, so I, I, I have the ability to do this sometimes. But I also know, I guess the reason is I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this is because I see the damage that happens when you fail to make the connection between the big picture in your life and the details. The fail, when you fail to make the connection between what you're harvesting and what you planted. There's a huge amount of damage, not just to you, but the people around you. I mean, those harvest problems. You have an unhappy marriage. You have a messed up financial situation. You have an inability to hold a job. You have tension-filled relationships all around you. Those things are the harvest. But so many people fail to see the seeds that, that produced the harvest. Those things are like the product, but there was a pattern that produced the product. You got to make the connection. You know, like, 
You don't do anything to sacrificially love and serve your spouse and you wonder why your marriage is rough? Come on. You have an Amazon box waiting for you every day when you get home and you wonder why your, your bank account's low? Come on now. You, you emotionally assault your refrigerator and you wonder why the scale says what it says, right? The most exercise you get is walking down the, to the mailbox and you wonder why you feel weak and anemic, right? You, you don't discipline your kids and you wonder why they disrespect you. Or the opposite, all you do is discipline them and you don't have a relationship with them and you wonder why they rebel. All you do is scroll for hours on your phone and, and look at social media and the news and you wonder why you have anxiety. You, you don't read your Bible or pray consistently. You wonder why you feel far from God. Have I, have I missed any money? <laughs> Trying to hit you all. Oh, look, you're way over there. I didn't even see you over here. Have I hit you? These sides are hard. I need to back up so I can see everybody. Listen, your problem is not the problem. Your problem is a failure to see the pattern that produced the problem. Make the connection between the two. The connection between the big picture issues that you see and the everyday decisions that you make. Between what you're sowing and what you're reaping. The pattern and the product. There's this Andy Stanley quote that I hate. <laughs> I'm going to share it with you so you can hate it with me. Um, he says this, your system is perfectly designed to get you the results you're getting. Uh, now, Andy Stanley is a pastor, and, he, and it, when he says something like that, he's actually talking to pastors like church leaders or, or leaders of a, of a business. So if you like own a business or, or run something, he, he would say this to you that, that with your business or with your church or with whatever this thing is you're running, that, that whatever results you're getting, like the system you set up is perfectly designed to give you what you're getting. And what he's trying to do is get you to make the connection between uh, what you're, the results you're getting and, and the detailed work that you're putting in to get those results. Because what is tempting, and I'll just, again, I'll, I'll own this as a, as a pastor, I'll say it's really tempting sometimes to, to look at your church and go, man, the results I'm getting must have, they can't possibly have anything to do with the work we're doing, right? You want to disconnect from that. Like, why is the church doing this when it feels like we're doing all this work that should produce a different result? I want to, I want to disconnect from that sometimes. Or maybe if, if your business, or you're looking at your business and going, man, this isn't successful, but it should be. So why is it producing this thing? What he's trying to get us to see is that there's a connection, that whatever system you set up, it's perfectly designed to give you the results you're getting. And then as you can take that concept and you can put it into your life and you can say, hey, well, my marriage is crappy. Well, Andy Stanley would say, whatever consistent patterns you've, you've established in your life, they're designed perfectly to give you the results you're getting. I get bad grades. Well, your study habits are perfectly designed to give you your bad grades, right? You're, I don't like the number on the scale. Well, your eating habits and your exercise habits are perfectly designed to give you that. There is no disconnect. These things are good. You will always reap what you sow. You will always harvest what you plant. They are connected. And I think, um, for me, this is a really big deal. If we could just own these verses, this Galatians 6, 7, and 8, if we could just own the idea that we, we harvest what we plant, man, I wonder how different this year would be if we just did that, if we just acknowledged that what we're getting is a result of what we're putting into our life. Now, I know, I know it's hard 
to make the connection. Again, Paul said, don't, don't be just like, this, this is an easy thing to miss. Um, I think the reason it's hard uh, to make this connection is because um, the little thing, the seed, that everyday seed that you plant, it's hard to see like the power of that one thing, right? Because the one thing just seems so small. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything by itself, right? I do a bunch of biceps curls and I wake up the next morning and my biceps the same size. What the heck? I was supposed to do something, right? Or I'm, I do that thoughtful thing for my spouse and they don't drag me right to the bedroom. What's going on? I thought this was supposed to do something, right? Or, uh, you know, you don't buy that thing on Amazon and then the next day you check your bank account and there's not a bunch of zeros in there. It didn't do anything, right? It didn't produce uh, the harvest that you wanted when you planted the one seed, but that's because that's not the way it works, right? But it's so easy to miss that it's not just the seed, it's, it's the pattern of planting the seeds. That the one thing by itself is small, but if uh, the collection of things is powerful. So, uh, for example, uh, a piece of paper, uh, really flimsy and nothing and, and takes almost nothing to tear this thing in half. A piece of paper by itself is, is flimsy and, and weak. And I, I can tear it. I could give it to my one-year-old and she could tear it. However, however, uh, if you take this same piece of paper and you just fold it one time, two times, three, four. Detail people ignore how terrible my folds are right now. Let's do five. Just five folds. Same piece of paper. Now, it's not so easy to rip. It's not so easy. I can do it. It ruins the illustration. But in, in first service, I had Logan try to tear it. Logan's not in here. He left. And he, he purposely didn't try because he didn't want to make the pastor look bad. So he's like, oh, I can't do it. And then I tore it. <laughs> and it made him look terrible. It was awesome. Um, I didn't want to do that to any of you. Uh, but you see, though, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, but it's the power of repetition, the power of doing the small thing over and over again that gave the piece of paper strength. That's the power of pattern in your life, the power of habit, the cumulative effect of small things repeated, the connection between the little things every single day and the big thing, the the seed that you plant every single day and the harvest. So let me ask you, as you sit here January 2, and you're thinking about those things that you want to change this year. Well, the reason you want to change them is because you don't like them. You've got some stuff in your life that you don't like. Well, those things you don't like. Like what pattern produced the problem? What seeds gave you the harvest? What, what was the little thing repeatedly done that caused the big thing? You're, you're thinking about the thing, But I'm asking about the seed that produced the thing. Because again, what what I've experienced, and I have a bent towards this, it's it's human nature. We want to solve the problem without addressing the pattern that's caused the problem. We We want to solve the harvest without addressing the problem with the seed. And and that's can we be real? That's, that's what happens with our prayers sometimes. We pray, we pray harvest prayers. We pray, God, fix my marriage. God, <laughs> fix my bank account. God, fix, fix my, my, my waistline. We, pick, we pray harvest prayers, but 
And I'm not saying God won't answer that stuff. I want you to pray all the prayers. Pray them all. Pray big picture prayers. But I do believe um, that God will not solve a problem without addressing the pattern. But he won't, he won't give you a, he won't solve the harvest problem without uh, addressing the seed problem that, that caused the harvest. And by the way, why? we got to give him credit. Of course he won't, right? Because if he solves the problem and leaves the pattern, then, then you'll just produce the same problem again, even if he solves it again and again and again. He just keep, you know, if you keep planting the same seeds and he keeps solving the harvest problem, well, you're going to keep planting the same seeds. He's going to have to do it again. So it's better for us if he solves the seed problem, if he solves the pattern problem. So I wonder if we can shift our prayers rather than praying these big picture harvest prayers, what if you focused more on seed prayers? What if instead of praying, Lord, you know, fix my marriage, what if, what if you prayed, Lord, help me be more sacrificial. Help me be more forgiving. Help me give up that bitterness that's got a hold of my heart. Help me, help me love like you do. What if you prayed those kind of prayers and then this thing would solve itself? What if, what if you prayed, Lord, I don't want to eat my feelings anymore. I don't, I don't want to be staring at that refrigerator asking it to make me feel better anymore. Lord, I want to go to you with that stuff. What if you prayed those prayers and then the waistline would solve itself? What if you prayed seed prayers, pattern prayers, rather than praying the big picture prayers? Now, my brain, <laughs> I get tortured sometimes because I, I've been a pastor now for 10 years, so um, you preach on the same stuff. You have to, if I only preach one sermon on each thing for my entire career, it wouldn't be good for you, it wouldn't be good for us. So sometimes I, I, I end up, you know, repeating concepts. And I get caught because I'll, I'll I get excited about this pattern thing. Man. I got really excited about this week, and I want to share with you, like, man, what would your life look like? If you started to address the, pro- the patterns instead of just the problem, if you fixed the patterns and the problems would solve themselves, like I got really excited about that and, and talking to you because I, I do deal with it a lot. I deal with it enough where I'm like, man, so many people think they have a problem, but they disconnected from the pattern and they act like that, that there was no connection, like it just happened to them when, when in reality, a lot of their choices led to that. I, I, I get really excited about that, but then um, my mind keeps going past that. And I thought, man, like that's a problem and I'm, I'm excited and I, I hope, pivot, make some changes there in the way you think about stuff. But some of you I know have a deeper problem than just a pattern problem. Like what you've done, like you've had patterns in your life for a long time, like a really long time, not just years, maybe decades. You've had certain problems, certain patterns. And what happens when you have a pattern in your life for so long is, is now you've taken the next step and you've made the pattern a part of your persona. You've grafted this pattern into the way you perceive yourself. It's a part of your identity. And like pattern problems are hard to get rid of. They are. Difficulty level nine. But identity problems? (laughs) That's 10. That's 11 out of 10. Because what you're doing when you do this is you're saying, it's not just something I do. You're now taking it down a level and saying, this is who I am. 
and you've absorbed this into some inner part of your being. And man, how are you going to change something that you're, you've accepted as a part of who you are? What a dangerous place to be. So look at what Paul says about this in Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. He says this, Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. I love the way that Paul... He doesn't just talk about slavery. He talks about what leads to slavery, right? It's, it's not just this thing that you're stuck in. It's, hey, you become a slave of whatever you what? Choose to obey. There's choices that lead to this. You, 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 you don't just fall into this thing where now it's just who I am. No, he's saying you made choices that led to this, these chains. And by the way, you have the key. You locked it. You did it yourself. You made decisions that led to your own slavery. But accepting something as a part of your identity, what it does is it's an excuse to continue in that dysfunction. It's, it's what Satan wants you to do. Satan want, I believe the battle in, in your heart and your mind with this kind of stuff is, is that, that line between this is what I do and this is who I am. Satan wants to fight you. That's where the battle lines are drawn in your heart and in your mind, where he wants you to flip over and say, this isn't just what I do, this is who I am. Because if he can get you to accept it as a part of your identity, you're never going to change it. So he's trying to fight you to get you to think that the, the problems in your life, that the negative patterns in your life are like in your blood and your genetic code, uh, and not just your physical genetic code, but like your spiritual makeup. He wants you to believe that this is something that is just who you are, and you'll never change because it's who you are. It's not what you do. And that's where Satan wants to fight you. But man, Christian, don't let him win that fight. If you're a Christian, what I mean by that is you believe that Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins. You trust in Jesus for your salvation. Listen, Christian, you don't get to say that's just who I am anymore. That, that little sentence is taken off the table uh, if you are a Christian because Jesus did not just come to change your eternal destiny. He, cha- he came to change your identity here and now. He wants to change you on, from the inside out. Look at what... 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Christians don't get to say, this is just who I am anymore. You can say, that's who I was. You can say, this is something that I struggle with now. But your identity has shifted. Your identity has been given to you a new one. You've been grafted into the family of God. A new life has begun. You are a new person. You are no longer a slave. Those chains are broken. You're free. That's right. I get one amen on January 2nd. I'll take it. 
I, uh, I think, gosh, it's so dangerous. I always feel nervous talking about stuff like this because I, I think when you accept something as a part of your identity, it becomes a very dangerous thing. So here's what, again, I'm, drop, I'm, I'm tumbling down the hill mentally. I want to address your patterns because I think your patterns is what produces your problems. And then I'm like, uh-oh, but what if, what if they've accepted the patterns are part of the identity? We've got to deal with that. And then I come to this place of despair and sermon preparation. If you've ever tried to prepare a talk before where you do the whole thing and then you're like, this sucks, I hate everything about it. Did you ever do that? Like you just, crap, I don't have these papers. They're just hitting the delete button on everything because it's just stupid. I hate all of it. Uh, because what, what happened to me is like, I started saying to myself, who cares? Who cares about all this? You're sitting here and you know, I think my, my, if you're a Christian, I believe the Holy Spirit's been dropping stuff in your mind this whole time. We've been sitting here for the past, whatever, half hour. He's been saying, you know the thing that I want to change in your life. I believe that. I believe that's the way God works. He's been doing it with me for the past couple of weeks. Like, hey, this new year, you're going to not do that anymore. This new year, we're going to do this instead. Hey, you're going to be a better dad. You're going to be a better husband. You're going to, you're going to do this now. You're going to quit with the, this habit. Like I, God's, God's been showing me different things that he wants to change in my life. And there's been a, a question that's been popping in our mind and it's weird, but I bet it's a question you've, you're, you have to answer as well. There's this story about Jesus healing this guy. I believe it's one of his most spectacular healings. Not because of the thing that he healed, but be, because of the length of time that the guy had the problem. Um, this guy had been, the uh, Bible says his, his legs didn't work, like he was disabled. And the um, Bible says that he had been disabled for 38 years, been long. And Jesus walks up to this guy, knowing full well how long it had been. And he asked him a question. And it's, it's a question that on the surface is kind of insane. But it's the one that Jesus asked, the first thing Jesus says to this man who'd been uh, ill for 38 years. John chapter 5, verse 6. When Jesus saw him and knew that he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I mean, on the surface, you've got to say, Jesus, come on, man. <laughs> Why are we asking Silly questions here. The guy can't walk. He hasn't walked for four decades. Of course he wants to. Of course he wants his problem to be solved. I'm tempted to assume the answer to that question. When I go to prepare a sermon like this, I get all excited. I'm like, all right, they got a problem. They want to fix it. Well, here, I'll help you fix the problem. It's a pattern thing or it's an identity thing. And I get all caught up in the different ways I could help you solve this problem. But I skip over this question. I just assume you walk in here ready to go that you have a problem that you want to solve. But according to Jesus, that is a dangerous assumption for me to have. And I have to ask it to myself about the things that he's laying on my heart, about those, those dysfunctions that I want to make functional, you know, those patterns that I want to change, those pains that I want to heal, the problems I want to solve. I ask, do you want to get well? Do you really? Because I, the more I thought about it, I, I really did. I, I heard this whole thing. I thought, well, this is dumb. What if they're just sitting there thinking, 
Dude, I already knew all that. I knew I had a problem. And by the way, I know the pattern that produces that problem. No, no crap, dude. You're, you're serious? Of course, it's the refrigerator that causes my problem. I know that. But do you even want it? You want it? Like, that's the question, right? Because I, let, let's be real. Let's be real, real here. Sometimes people become comfortable in their own discomfort, right? That's the truth, isn't it? They get used to functioning in their dysfunction. They like maybe the attention that their problem gives them. They like the excuse that it gives. So do you really want to get well? Man, that's... Again, you already know the little things that God wants to change. You already have some goals and stuff for this year. That's surface level. Deep dive way down deep and ask yourself the question, do I really want that? Do I really want to change? Do I really want to get well? Because that's the fight, by the way. That's where it's at. This is not a dumb question. This is the question. What do you really want? And I am pretty bold enough to say that I actually don't think you even know the answer to that question. I don't know how well you think you know yourself, but I think very often we think we know ourselves way better than we actually know ourselves. So I think you need, you need help with that. Look what David writes. This is just a, a crazy couple of sentences in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Look what, he, look what he prays. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Look at that. I love to see this is what David, man, he is like... Uh, pro-level self-awareness where he is so self-aware that he's aware that he doesn't even know what he doesn't know. You know what I'm saying? Like David's like, hey God, I'm going to open this thing up and I want you to look at my heart and God, I don't, I don't even understand what's happening. You got to tell me, show me what's going on in here. T- tell me, tell me about the stuff in here that I don't even realize messes, messes my relationship with you. Tell me about that stuff, Lord. Lord, tell me about my deepest desires and where they're at man, he opens up his heart and he asks God to tell him about himself. What a prayer. What a prayer. And that's, that's what I want for you. And I, I know this is a weird concept, but um, maybe, you, maybe you don't want to get well. Can we just be real? There's a, there's a you, you can't control that, right? I can't control my desire to change. Like maybe I just want to keep eating. I don't know. Maybe I just want to keep drinking. Maybe I just want to keep treating my wife like crap. Maybe I just want to keep being selfish with my kids. I don't know. Maybe you want all that stuff. It'd be better to be honest with God about that than to, to lie to him and say, no, I totally want to change. And God's up in him going, no, you don't. <laughs> but here's what, you do. here's what you can control. Follow me on this. Maybe you don't want to change, but you want to want to change. Do you follow me? You don't want to change, but you want to want to. So you're, you're at least there. And I want you to grab a hold of that. Grab a hold of that. That second want to. I don't want to, but I want to want to. And pray that one. Pray that one with all your heart. Lord, I am broken. I am messed up. I'm so messed up. I like how messed up I am in this area of my life. And I need you to fix that. 
I need you to awaken something in me that's not alive right now. I need you to breathe life into a desire that I don't currently have. I want the desire, but I don't have it. And ask God to give you that in whatever area of your life that he's speaking to you. I don't want to, but I want to want to, and I want to pray that want to up. And then he'll use that. So, um, it's a good opportunity for this year. Uh, it's January. And if you remember, uh, if you were here, a year ago, we, we did a 21-day fast in January. It was kind of, it was the first time we'd ever done it. It was kind of a, a beta version. We'd never done it before as a church. Uh, but man, I, we, we fell in love with the concept, I'll tell you, last year. And we wanted to make it a yearly thing. So starting next week, uh, we want to begin again another 21-day fast as a church. Uh, so if you don't understand the concept, uh, Cliff's Notes version is, uh, it's called a Daniel fast because it's patterned after what Daniel did. Uh, and basically, it's 21 days where you take something out of your life to allow God to put something in. Are you going to remove something in the physical to allow God to do something in the spiritual? That's the concept. Um, that's generally what a, what a fast does. Now, you can take any number of levels with this. You can do a full fast where you don't eat for 21 days. Um, you can do a partial fast where you take certain aspects of your diet and you intentionally change them. Uh, I know a lot of people who did like the sun up to sun down thing where they didn't eat uh, during that time uh, or they just pick certain foods or certain weight things that they ate that they wanted to stop eating. Um, and then there's also there's obviously the, the level where you pick something non-food related and you take that out of your life. The idea is you take something out in order to let God pour in. I want to strongly encourage you to make food a part of it because I think there's something spiritual about food and y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, so make that a part of it. But this is a really cool opportunity for us to collectively uh, seek see God in a real way. Uh, so starting next week, we're going to start next week. Uh, nice part about 21 is it, it takes us to a Sunday. So we'll start next week and then we'll end uh, three weeks from then. Um, but what I want you to do this week, I wanted to announce it this week to give you a week to think about two things. One, what are you going to give up? What is, what is the thing you're going to remove to allow God to fill? And then two, what are you going to pray about? What are you gonna? What are you gonna ask God for? Yeah, you can you can pray some big picture things, but yeah, I would I would encourage you to include some patterns as well. What are you gonna pray about? So you take this week and pray about what you're gonna pray about. <laughs> ask Him. We'll we'll talk next week about what we're gonna put out there as a church. And here's where I would just want to encourage you. Um, if you don't know the story, I'm just gonna keep telling it over and over again. But man, last year. We as a church uh, collectively prayed for a couple of things. One of them uh, was a church home we prayed for last year. I don't know if you know this, but I was preaching this sermon in the Performing Arts Center last year. And here we stand exactly a year later. And I told, I told trip first services, and I'll tell you guys, I'll keep telling you, I didn't think he was going to say yes to that. I really didn't because it seemed impossible. Um, but he did it. And I, I repeatedly say that for me, the reason that was so important not, is not necessarily that we have a home. It's that he said, yes. I don't know if you understand that concept in my life, but like so often my prayers are, are about things that are intangible or hard to measure. 
So when I prayed something that was very tangible and very easy to measure, and he said, yes, my goodness, that changed my relationship with God. Like, you know, you say this and, oh, God can do anything. And now I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, do you guys even know? Like, it was like, he showed off. It was an out there, like, well, let's just throw the, you know, I got two things. Here's my third thing. We'll see what God does. And we saw what he did. Like, and I, and the reason I'm, I'm just going to keep telling you this, uh, well, I want it to be a part of our story, but I also just want to encourage you, like, this time can be, God can do something, man. God really believe that when you take something out in the physical, that there's something that happens in the spiritual that, that doesn't happen in a normal cycle of life, that you have to pump, you have to shift out of it. You have to pivot out of the normal routine of your life and, and take some things out in order to leave room for God to move. So, man, I believe you can do anything. Whatever it is you're sitting on right now, I believe he can move in it. I can do anything. Worship team, why don't you guys come up here? Problem is not the problem. Problem is the pattern that produces the problem. Problem for some of you is you've owned it, you've made it your identity, and the other problem is that you don't even want to change. And I just encourage you to take this week and lay that all before God and ask him to work it. Pray with me. Jesus, we need you. Man, there's some people sitting here who so desperately need you, Lord. The thing that's popping into their mind that needs to change is way bigger than them, Lord. They feel stuck. They feel overwhelmed. They need you. But I pray right now that you would just, just light a little spark in their heart, a little, a little bit of faith that they would know that you could do anything. You can do anything. You can move mountains. Not, not those things made of rock, but mountains in their heart, mountains in their soul, mountains in their life, mountains in their patterns and habits, Lord. You can move those. It was faith to believe that. But I pray for the person just struggling, about to give up. I pray that that spirit blow a fresh wind over that. Pray that we would take a step towards you. Take some things out, allow you to put some things in. Lord, speak to us this week. Show us the things you want to work in. Jesus, name.